For those of you that are joining us, uh, thank you once again. And uh, at this point in time, I'm going to ask uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And tonight we're going to have uh, Ethan reading for us. Um, he's going to come and read Mark, chapter 10. All right, so we just got a little bit of a change there. Um, I'm going to read tonight because Ethan had a something that came up, so I'm just going to take over the reading tonight. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn with me to Mark Gospel, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. I will be reading from verse 17 all the way to verse 31 tonight. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 31. And before we do so, we would like to just ask God's blessing upon His Word. Father, tonight, Lord, we thank You. We thank you because you are an amazing God, a wonderful comforter, counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting Father. Truly, God, there is none like unto you. And Lord, we pray tonight, God, as we look into your word, that you will use your word to speak to every heart tonight, every life that is listening, every heart that is listening to the sound of my voice, wherever they are tonight, God, will hear your word through the power of your spirit. And I pray, God, that they will, oh God, come to the knowledge of knowing the truth, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth that is able to save us from, oh God, the wrath, oh God, from the power of sin and deliver us, God, and bring us into the kingdom of God. And so tonight we give you praise and give you thanks. Lord, let not self be seen, but let your name be glorified tonight. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. So bless and minister to every heart tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark Gospel, chapter 10, verse 17, and it reads, And as he, he meant here Jesus, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up, ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor thy father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, that is the young man responding to, to Jesus, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed by his words. But Jesus said to them, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they, and they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Who can be saved? Jesus looked at him, or looked at them and said, 
With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and follow you. We have left everything and follow you. Jesus said to Peter, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. This is God's word. Amen. Amen. So thank you, everyone, and thank you for joining us tonight. I'm just going to scroll here a little on my notes here. I would like to, first of all, not only to encourage you as you are following me tonight with the Bible as we read through the text. Um, today we are going to look at the rich young ruler. For those of you who think this message is, is for those of you who think that this message is not for you, you, you may be wrong in, in, in making that assumption. This message does not put emphasis on the rich or those who are financially wealthy, nor how respectful you are in society, how, how much education you have, nor how much you have already achieved or attained in this life. You see, none of these things matter, brothers and sisters, because in the eyes of God, none of these things matter. There is nothing you and I can do nor add it to inherit salvation or eternal life. Now, when I use salvation or eternal life, those words are being used interchangeably. So when, I, when we read the passage tonight, when we are going to talk about the experience and the face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus and this young man, you will hear me use those two words, salvation and eternal life. They go interchangeably. So there, first of all, there is nothing you and I can do nor add to inherit eternal life. Salvation is not based on anything that we have done or can do. It is not based on our good works or how well we treat others. It is not based on how religious we are. You see, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. I will repeat that. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. You see, the word grace can be seen as God riches at Christ's expense. And I want to say this to everyone that is listening tonight, that Christianity is not a religion about doing or adding things up to achieve salvation. Christianity is not a religion about doing or adding things up to achieve salvation. It is not based on good works or our, our works of righteousness. Therefore, no matter how much we try, on our own strength or effort, we cannot earn our way into the kingdom of God. No matter how much we try, on our own strength or effort, we cannot 
earn our way into the kingdom of God. Salvation is not is based on what God has done for us through Christ. You see, Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God, God shows us, God shows us his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In some translation it says, Christ died for the ungodly. Then Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 will give us the assurance to say this in God's word. For by grace you are saved, you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of work so that no one may boast. So there is no boasting on our part when it comes to salvation. There is nothing that we can do. And that's what the scripture tells us. So the rich young ruler that we're looking at tonight, the story that we just read, the rich young ruler thought there was something that must, he must do or add to his list of things that he has already accomplished. So you see, he wanted to buy his way into the kingdom of God. Like so many people today, they are in the same quandary as this young man. They believe that, they, that as much as they do, that they can add up things in their life so that they can enter into the kingdom of God. So God will be pleased with them. Verse 17 says, as, as Jesus was setting out on his journey, this young man ran and knelt before him and asked him, and his response was, good teacher. So he recognized that Jesus was a good teacher. And he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You see, this man had everything. He was young. According to the Bible, he was young, he was rich, and he was a ruler. He was a man of authority. We know this when we read the account of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three gospels, which is known as the synoptic gospel, bear record of this same passage of scripture or story that I'm talking about. Matthew called him a young man, a young man. Mark said that he's, he has great possession. And Luke said that he is a ruler when he came to Jesus. So they, each one of them described this young man. So that is the reason why you, you, we, we can call this story here the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler thinks that eternal life was something to be earned or it is something to, that we can achieve by our own human effort. The question he asked tells me that he was insecure about his own future, his own destiny, where he wants to go, or in his own salvation. If that was not the case, he would not have fallen at Jesus' feet. He would not have come and bowed down to Jesus and says, Good teacher, tell me what I must do to inherit eternal life. Like so many people today, they have a false sense of hope or assurance of salvation. And I'm going to list a few of those groups of people. We have the highly religious. The highly religious think that they have a, they, they, they live with this false sense of hope, thinking that the more they, they, the more they do good in the eyes of men, God is going to be pleased with them. They, they believe that salvation is achieved by good works or works of righteousness. Then we have the, the second group, 
which is the rich and the famous, like this rich young man. They believe that they must be doing something right so that the gods are pleased with them. And nothing is wrong because they have everything here on earth and God has blessed them. So they put their emphasis and focus on what they have achieved. And then we have the opposite, the, the other group, which is the opposite or the extreme of the rich and the famous. These are the, those that are poor, those who live from paycheck to paycheck and believe that their life must be crushed or, must have, or, or they must have done something wrong that God is punishing them for it. And they believe that is all that life has to offer to them. And then we have the fourth group, others who believe that in what we call karma, that, it, that in their previous life, or what, we, what they call reincarnation, that they must have done something wrong. Therefore, in this life, the soul has to make up for the precious life by, by learning new things and doing what, what, what they call this, whole, this karma, this cycle of completeness. And they call this cycle of this they call this cycle of reincarnation, which is sama, sam, samsara, and they believe that in one life to the next they have to perfect it after and after. So when we look at these four groups of people, we have to ask ourselves: Which one of these groups am I really falling into? You see, the rich young ruler believed that salvation is something to be earned by his own merit. And that he can just buy his way into the kingdom of God. I mean, we, we remember the story about Nicodemus several weeks ago. And Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and he says, Good teacher, we know that you, you are a teacher that come from God. No one can do these things except God be with him. And Jesus looked at him and says, straight into his face, very religious, like one of the group of people, you believe in your works of righteousness. You believe in all the good things you have done to accumulate in your life. To make you think that you can enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus says, no, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And then he struggled with that response from Jesus. He says, what, should I enter, enter my mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, no, that which is flesh is flesh and that which is spirit is spirit. But you must be born again before you can enter the kingdom of God. The young man is asking Jesus the same very question in a, in a, in a, in a different manner. The young man was willing to throw himself at Jesus' feet. Unlike all the other Pharisees and Sadducees who were accusing Jesus at the time, those of us looking at this young man will think of, think of this young man highly, very respectful, very religious, very educated, have everything in life. You see, we look at the outward expression. We look about what, what, what we can see from the outside. But we never knew that he is failing, him being coming to Jesus, he had this, this emptiness and this desire in his heart. All the expert, external things speaks well of him. But deep down in his heart, he knew that he was missing something. That there is something more that he has to do to inherit eternal life. That his riches, his fame, and all that he had was not going to take him there. So he came to Jesus and says, okay, tell me what I need to know. We look at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, brothers and sisters, and, and, and I want to remind everyone tonight that Jesus said, it is not what goes in a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of his heart. It's not the, not, not the external, but it's the internal state of a man's heart. 
And as you listen to this message tonight, I want you to think about some of these things that Jesus is going to, going to tell this young man. Think about where you are in your own personal life. Whether you fall within those four categories of people that I talk about, the religious, the rich, the, the, those that feel that, 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 that they are, they, they are, they are means nothing, that life means nothing to them, that they have to go through life the same way as it is because God is punishing them. Or you have those who believe religiously that they have to do something more in this life to enter into the next cycle. You see, his response to Jesus was good teacher. And Jesus is going to pause there a minute and says, what good works must I, he says, what good works must I do? Okay, give me something more that I can add and check off into the list of things that I've already done. I have all the wealth, I have all the education, I have all the, the respect in community. Just tell me one more thing so I can just add it to that list, Jesus. And Jesus' response was so much shocking to him. Jesus says, no one is good except God. That's the first thing. Okay, you're counting on good works. You want to know what good you need to do, brother. You don't even know what good is. No one is good except God. You see, Jesus was not denying the fact that he was, he himself is good or denying his own deity. No, no, he affirms it. He wanted the man to realize that no one except God is good. In fact, God is the only one that is intrinsically good. You see, the young man had a wrong definition of good. And there are so many of us, so many people, believe, that, believe the same thing as this young man. Their definition, our definition of good. Jesus knew that this man had no knowledge of what true goodness is. Because the goodness that he was demonstrating was a superficial goodness. A, good, a goodness that is measured by the human achievement. He was affected by the same, this young man was affected by the same legalism as the scribes and the Pharisees. They put on an outward show but inwardly. Jesus even says, you are, you, you, you are like white sepulchre. You're all painted well and look good, but inside is dead man bones. You look like a grave from the outside or a coffin. And that's what Jesus described the Pharisees as. They, this young man was affected by the same legalism as these scribes and Pharisees. They think that adherence to the law would earn them a place into the kingdom of God. Many people have this, uh, this false understanding of what it means to enter the kingdom of God that they can do. You see, our definition is based on how we live our life in relation to our neighbors, what people think of us, how they see us, how they view us. You see, goodness is an attribute of God, not man. And that's what Jesus was saying to him. Romans, Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 Sorry, three, Romans 3 and verse 10 to verse 12 says, No one is righteous. No one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. God looks at us and says, None of our goodness is going to please Him. There's nothing that we can do to please God. Nothing that we can do to please God. Now I want to read something from Dr. R.C. Sproul tonight. And, and you're going to see it on the screen here. And I think he put it beautifully to us. 
Hear what Dr. R.C. Sproul says. We're quick to call one, one, one another good without giving thought to what goodness entails. Usually we employ the term good in a comparative way. If I say that my dog is a good dog, I do not mean that my dog has a highly refined ethical sense of propriety. I simply means that as dog goes, as dog goes, she is fairly well behaved. She comes when I call her. She does not bite the mailman. She is housebroken. So compared with many dogs, she is a good dog. The same applies when we say that a person is good. We simply means that compared with many other people, he or she is a good person. However, we dare not judge ourselves or others in relation to our human beings. Ultimately, genuine, genuine goodness is defined by the character of God. And his character is manifest in the law. Therefore, we need to judge ourselves against the standard, the standard of the ultimate righteousness of God. And that's, I think that, that is beautifully put. That when we judge ourselves, we're not judging ourselves based on the external things or, or, or how we see each other. We judge ourselves against the standard of the ultimate righteousness of God. And then Jesus looked at him and says, okay, you want to know what it means to be good? You call me good, but you want to know what is it to do good? You know the commandments. And Jesus knew his heart, and Jesus said, you know the commandments. You're a Jewish boy. You know the commandments. This is not something that is strange to you. Do not murder. Jesus is going to call him out. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor thy father and mother. He said to the young man, you know these things, which is referring to the Ten Commandments. Jesus presented him with the laws of Moses, something he knew well. You see, out of the Ten Commandments, Jesus took the last sixth, which has to do with man's relationship with his fellow man. And Jesus said, let me see how you match up to these six commandments. You know the, the Mosaic law. You know what it asks. Let me see how you match up. You see, this was a test that Jesus was just throwing out to him and said, let me hear, even as much as he knows, he knew his heart. But Jesus was going to shatter his false sense of assurance. Jesus says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not, do not, do not defraud, honor thy father and mother. You see, you and I do not have to be a Jew or a Christian to keep these commandments that I just read to you. You and I don't have to be a Christian to keep these things. Every religious group, every religious organization, every religious belief system boldly keep these commandments. You, you go and, 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 and do a research that everyone teaches about doing good. But that goodness is based on these six things that I just talked about. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus only gave them half of the Ten Commandments, six of the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus looked at him and, said, and, and looked at him. And, and when Jesus looked at him, he looked back at Jesus and he says, Teacher, all these things I have kept. I mean, Jesus laid them out before him and he said, Come back very boldly. Feel this sense of accomplishment. Have you ever felt this sense of accomplishment? 
accomplishment as if someone asks you if you finish your university and you get your degree. And you're like, yes, this is what I have. I major in this or double major in that. And you're willing to talk about it. Well, this young man was doing the same very thing. He says, I have accomplished that. I have kept all these things for my youth. What are you talking about? Check, 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 check. Done all of it. You know why he said I have kept all of this from my youth? At 13 years, a Jewish boy goes through what we call something called bar mitzvah. At that age, they need to know, start knowing the law, the commandments, and everything about the Mosaic law. They had to know it. They had to come to that knowledge. They had to start to understand it. The boys, the boys' celebration is called that ceremony called is bar mitzvah. When they have for the girls, they are calling bat mitzvah. The boys start at 13 years old, the girls start at 12 years old. And, and, and then he responded so beautifully to Jesus. But Jesus was going to shatter his false sense of assurance. Check, 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 check. I hit all six. Surprise. And Jesus looked at him. The Bible said that looking, Jesus looking at him loved him. And this is what, about, this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus knew his heart, deep down in his heart, he was still coming short. Jesus loved him, have pity on him, knew his heart that he was sincere, but sincerely lost, sincerely lost. He wanted security here on earth, and he wanted security in heaven. Yes, he had all the assurance here, and he says, give me this one more thing that I must do to enter into your kingdom, Jesus. Well, you see, he was now willing to pay the price to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, you see, when you love someone, brothers and sisters, you must always tell them the truth. And that's what Jesus did here. Jesus says, the Bible said that Jesus loved him. Tell him the truth, exactly what he needs to know. The Bible said that it is the truth that will set you free. He that the Son set free is free indeed. Only truth can set you free. And how many of us that are looking at me tonight are willing to hear the truth about your life? How many of you that are really looking tonight can say, I want to know the truth about my life? You see, some of us are not even willing to hear it. Some of us are not even willing to hear it. But Jesus loved this young man, looked at him and says, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. Now Jesus said you lack one thing, but ask him to do three things. And Jesus is going to spell it out, and Jesus is going to crush his whole sense of false desire or hope or accomplishment. The one thing will determine if he truly wants what he came seeking Jesus for. And that is the same one thing God requires of each and every one of us. Here are the three things that Jesus said to him. Go sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. And follow me. So you see, this young man failed all three tests. And I'm going to walk you through that tonight. For Jesus said to him, go sell all that you have. And give it to the poor. What Jesus was saying, I don't want you to literally go and sell it out and give it away. But I'm going to just, just, just throw it out there to see if you're willing to do that. Go sell everything that you have and give it out. 
You said you love your neighbor as yourself. Go sell it and give it. You see, if he truly wanted to, wanted to inherit eternal life, he, was going, he must be willing to part with the things that he loved most. But he was not willing to part from it. You see, anything that comes between you and your relationship with God becomes an idol in your life. This young man's idol was his wealth. What is your idol tonight? If there is one thing in your life, what is that idol in your life? What is that idol in your life? Let me read Exodus 20 and verse 3 to 6. And hear what Exodus 3.20 says. You shall have no other gods before me. Ding! Guess what? He just failed. The young man just failed the very first command of God. You see, Jesus told him about the first, the last six. But then asked him about the first four and says, go sell it all that you have. You should have known this young man. That you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make of yourself a carved image. You don't take stones and wood and bricks and mortar and make an image and worship it. You shall not make for yourself a craved image and you call it God or any likeness of anything that is in, above, is in this heaven or above that is in the earth or beneath the earth that is in the water or under the water. God says no matter where you go, don't make anything and worship it and bow down to it. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. First thing Jesus says, you failed. See, the first commandments can only be kept by those who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in their life. Now I'm going to ask you this question. What is it that you love so dearly that you are not willing to let go? What is it there in your life that you love so dearly that you are not going to willing, that you're not willing to let go? This young man failed because he realized what he was, that he was failing in his relationship with God. His riches, for some of us it could be our career, our credential, our job, our success, our accomplishment, our car, our wife, our children, our husband, our boyfriend, our girl, girlfriend, our houses, and all the accumulation that we have here. Second test. Okay, sell it, and when you sell it, give it to your neighbor. Ding! Failed again. Teacher. Now in Matthew Gospel, it says, Disciples came to Jesus once and they said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And guess what? And the second is like it. Not only to love your Lord your God with all your heart, but here is the second one, is to love your neighbor as yourself. If this young man truly wanted to follow Jesus and what Jesus wanted him to do, to sell it and give it, he would have proven that, that this, his wealth and his riches was not an hindrance to his salvation. And what Jesus was saying to a solitary neighbor, if you say that you truly love your neighbor as you, came, you come claiming to me, 
you would have had no problem in selling and giving it away. So first test he failed, that he was not willing to part. Second test, that he wasn't truly showing that he loved his neighbor. And third test is that he failed because he, the Bible says that he looked at Jesus. After Jesus said to him, you lack wanting, Jesus says, go do all of this. And the Bible says that he went away sorrowfully. So the third test, he was not even willing to follow Jesus. You see, like I said just now, anything that comes between you and your relationship with God is an idol in your life. You don't have to have a carved image in your home. You don't have to have an altar bill in your home to worship and bow down before them. Your husband, your wife, your kids, your family, your education, your job, everything that I list there can be an idol in your life because if you love that thing more than Jesus, then it's an idol in your life. It hinders your walk. It hinders your relationship. Follow me. Is that you must be willing to let go and let go of everything and follow Jesus. Every one of Jesus' disciples knew the cost of following him. When he called them and says, follow me, it was a direct command to follow him. The Bible says they left everything and they followed him. They left everything and followed him. He never said to them, follow me plus bring all your gods and your idol. Bring all your education and all things that you, you love more, love as well. Bring them. No, 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 no. He says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart and worship no other gods. So all those things that you want to pack up and bring, Jesus says you got to let go of them. When he called his disciples and said, follow me, Matthew was mending his net and Peter and James and John. And they were doing the thing as soon as Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible says immediately they dropped their nets, they dropped their boats, and they followed Jesus. They knew the cost of following Jesus. This young man was not willing to pay that cost or pay that price. He was not willing to part from his wealth. He was not willing to part from his accomplishment. And he was willing to settle for just the temporal things of this world that only satisfy temporarily. The things of God are eternal. But he was willing to trade eternity for the things of this world. You see, Jesus never said, come follow me, but go and think about, go and think about it and then come tomorrow. Or two weeks from now. Or when you spend all the time thinking about it and when you decide, come follow me. No, no, no. He never said, follow me if you have a certain amount of qualification. If you're highly respected. Respected if you can bring all those things and accomplishment. He never said that. He says, come follow me. You got to be willing to pay the price and let go of those things. And a lot of people held on, hold on so dearly to the things they love. We don't find time. We don't make time. We don't do anything. Pretty much. But yet again, we want God's blessing upon our life. Jesus said to Matthew, whoever loves father, in the gospel of Matthew, he said to, his, to, to, to those around him, he said, whoever loves father or mother more than me, not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds this life will lose it, and whoever loses life for my sake will find it. Whoever will come after me must take up his cross and follow me. The Bible says disheartened, verse 22. By saying this, when he heard this, he was sad. He went away sorrowfully because he had great possession. And many people tonight will hear the good news of the gospel. Many of you will hear this message and still harden your heart against the, the, the Spirit of God. And are still not willing to say, I'm going to willing to let go. Until you are willing to let go, until you can say that I'm not going to worry about friends and family. I'm not going to be willing, I'm not, I'm not willing to listen to, I'm not, I'm not going to look at all the things that I have accumulated or not. And allow them to hinder my relationship with you. That's what Jesus was saying. And if you're there tonight and you're listening to the sound of my voice. And you're struggling to let go. And you're hearing this message. God wants you to take heed to his voice tonight. God wants you to pay attention. To what you're hearing tonight. And decide whether you are going to willing to let go of those things. Let go doesn't mean that you're going to sell them and get rid of them. Let go means that you are not going to place those things as place those things as a priority in your life over Jesus and your relationship with God. And Jesus looked at him and says, He looked at this young man in verse 23 and he says, How difficult it will be for those, for those who hear it. How difficult it will be for those who have wisdom. To enter into the kingdom of God. Now I'm coming to a close and I'll read the last few verses. Because it's interesting to hear the latter part of these words. Verse 24. And Jesus said it's, it, it's very difficult for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom. And, and wealth in a sense are not only riches. Because the things that we hold on, we, we hold on so much to. Basically that's what it is. You hold on to it. You, have, you, you, you don't want to let go. You don't want to let go of that account and that achievement and you're worried about what people are going to think about you for this young man it was his wealth it will be very difficult if you want to hold on to those things that you cherish most on your relationship with God to enter the kingdom of God because you can't serve God and serve mammon you cannot have two God you cannot have more than one God you cannot love no other God and the disciples were amazed, verse 24, but Jesus said to them, Children, how difficult it is for a, to enter the kingdom of God. How difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It is so easy for, you, for that to happen. And they understood what that means. They understood what it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And some people think that the eye of a needle was, was either literally where you can try to force a, a, a camel through a needle. Or it was the wall of Jerusalem with, a, with, with, a, with just a piece of hole. And you had to empty all the baggage that a camel get before you can force them through. And that was easy, easy to do that. And verse 26 says, and they were exceedingly astonished. And said to him, these are his disciples, when they heard that they saw this young man walk away. For many people who have churches, for many preachers, for many churches, you see this young man rich, religious, everything. 
Oh, he's maybe a good candidate because he fell at Jesus' feet. Oh, yes, just tell him to pray the sinner's prayer and enter the kingdom of God. Yet again, he hold on to his riches. There are many people in churches today who still hold on to the things, but they don't love Jesus more than, they love, they love the things more than they love Jesus. Church is only an escape for some people. But you tell them to let go and truly commit and dedicate their life to the Lord, they can't. And they have this false sense of hope because they pay their tithes or they give to the church or they do this. That yes, God is going to be so pleased with them. So many people are in the church believing the same thing. They want riches, they want their wealth, they want their fame, they want their popularity. And yet again, they want the kingdom of God. Not going to happen. And you see the disciples were exceedingly astonished and said to Jesus, then who, if this young man can enter, then who can enter? Who can be saved? Who can, who can have eternal life? Jesus looked at them and said, what is impossible with man? It's not possible. What is impossible with man is made possible with God. For all things are possible with God. So the, the disciples looked at Jesus and said, well, okay, he's every, you know, he have all the check boxes. What about him? I mean, don't worry about him now. He's gone. He sorrowfully leaves. But what about us, Lord? Here Peter says, you know, the first to speak at every occasion. Peter says, Lord, you know, you know, I mean, okay, this young man didn't want to let go, but we left everything, Lord. We left everything and we follow you. What about us? You mean we are, we are not going to enter the kingdom? What about us? Being in church doesn't mean that you are saved. It's that personal relationship with Jesus, giving your heart and be born again. Have Jesus Christ into your life. Hear what Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, no one who has left. Here is the, here is the, here is the, here is the beautiful part of this story. Because now he's going to help the, help the believers, his followers, his disciples understood what he was saying. Why this young man wasn't a candidate for the kingdom of God? Why this young man sorrowfully choose, choose the earthly things of this world rather than the heavenly things of God? And the disciples were comparing themselves, Lord, we left everything. What Jesus says, there is no one who left houses. House or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or land for my sake or for the gospel. Who will not receive a hundredfold now? This means that the God, when you are willing to, to let go, when you're willing to say that you're going to follow Jesus, you must be willing to let go. And Jesus said, You're going to receive a hundredfold now in this time. Here he says, you're going to receive houses, brothers, sisters, mother, children, and land, and persecution. Brother, believers, Christian, you're going to be persecuted because you're a believer. You're going to be persecuted by your friends and your family. The day you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are going to be persecuted. By the people, the same people who you, who they, who you think they love you. They will reject you. They will mock at you. They will scoff at you. And that's what Jesus says. Yes, you will have house. Yes, you will brothers and sisters and mothers and children. But you're going to have persecution. And the least you're going to expect are those that are going to be close to you. With persecution, Jesus says, you're not going to go. You're not going to be set free from persecution. He says, not only in this age, but in the age to come, eternal life. That's the beauty. 
at the end of it all, following me will give you eternal life. You will come to that place. It's now and it's forever. But hear what he says. Hear, hear the surprise in this story. But many who are first will be last. And the last first. Basically what Jesus is saying. You know, you really have to start take a look at your life and say, where am I in my relationship with God? You're either praying church or religious, or you're serious in your walk and relationship with Christ. So I trust tonight that these words has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. And maybe whatever you hear tonight will challenge your heart. Whether you're struggling to surrender your life to Christ and you know that he is calling you. Are you going to do it because of your friends and your family? Are you, going, are you going to look at what people are saying about you? Are you going to look at your riches and your accomplishment and everything that you have? Like this young man and walk away sorrowfully? Or are you going to be willing to say, Lord, I'm going to surrender my life to you? I want to surrender my life to you. Salvation cannot be earned. It is a gift from God. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. So I charge you tonight that if you are that person and you're listening to the sound of my voice, surrender your life to the Lord. Don't let these things hinder you and your relationship with God. And tonight I want to pray for you. Shall you, I'll ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are. And if you, if you want to accept Jesus into your life, you can do so tonight. You can say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I heard your word tonight, Lord, and I've been holding on to these things. I've been holding on to wealth and riches and fame and, and family and everything, God, and I haven't given you the first place in my life. I want to let go of all these things. You said, if I, you said in your word that if I confess my sin, that you are faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me for all unrighteousness. You will forgive me, you will cleanse me, and you will set me free. And you will come into my heart. And so tonight I pray, Lord, that you will come into my heart. If you can pray the prayer tonight, brothers and sisters, that is what it means to be born again. That is being regeneration. The young man was willing to let go of that. Don't let this night and don't let this opportunity pass from you. Father, I pray for every heart, every life that are here tonight, wherever they are, God. Hear your word and they are still struggling, God, to let go of those earthly things, God. The images, the idols, whether it's their career, their job, their finances, whatever, God, they hold on so dearly to, Father. I pray tonight, God, in the name of Jesus, Father, that you will, you will oh God, open their heart and give them the power and the, the strength to let go of these things and not to walk away sad and sorrowful like this young man, but to surrender their life in obedience to you, Father, and to your word. I pray, God, for the many that are going to pray this prayer tonight, that are going to ask you to come into their heart and be their Lord and be their Savior, God, that they will experience you tonight, that you will change and transform their life from this day forward. And so I give you praise and honor and glory for your word. I give you praise and thanks for everyone that joined and those that are leaving here tonight with that sense of assurance in their heart. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name.